Well, welcome to the Empower Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and ultimately empowers you to influence people and transform cities. Enjoy the message. Welcome to everyone joining us online today. Great to have you with us wherever you are in Australia. It's great to have you here today. So, so good. You know, I want to encourage men, you know, we've, we're, we're kind of only a couple of weeks out now of for strong men's camp, but um, do all you can to be there. Um, it's been kind of two years since we've been able to have this camp, and I just believe God is going to do something powerful. Pastor Nick, it was so onto it this morning, and uh, I just believe God wants to encounter you as a man. He wants to move in your life. God is doing something powerful, something fresh, and uh, I really believe God has something that He wants to do with us. There's just something about when the church gathers, but there's something about when, these, when, when men gather or women gather for different things. But this is one of those opportunities where us as men, we're going to be able to get together, worship God together, really be in this together. And it's only 24 hours. It's $50. And uh, I want to tell you, just, just you know, book it in now. Make it happen. Register at the desk in the foyer because we would just love to see you there. And what an opportunity we have to invest into our teenage young men as well. You know, oh, what a great opportunity. I really feel there's a, an anointing there um, for fathering, an anointing there for, for the power of God to just move on that, to minister to some of our young men as well. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's something that even when, if your, you know, kids are raised up and they're already out, you know, uh, living their own lives and having children of their own and all that sort of stuff, you're still a dad. You're still a father, and you still have something to give and sow, and, uh, and I really believe we can do that, and sometimes it's even as small as you just sat beside someone at the dinner table, and you had a conversation with them, and uh, you don't understand that some of these young guys that are coming, they don't have dads in their home, and uh, you can be that father figure in that moment. You can help to model what a, what a father can look like in the house of God, amen? So good. So let's, let's jump on board. This is going to be a great opportunity, men's camp as well. We're going to continue our series called Present Company Included, and uh, I know Pastor Nick brought a great message last Sunday morning, and uh, Pastor Kate and I were just on leave uh, for the last week. It was great. We did a trip out to Stanthorpe. Um, It is so cold out there. Oh my gosh. I mean, we just weren't prepared. You know, ever been somewhere and you're just not prepared, you know, and uh, we're staying in this place, and it was like, and, and I, I'm checking in, and the lady's talking to some other lady that's, you know, checking in as well. And she's like, hey, just letting you know, it was negative four degrees yesterday morning at 4 a.m. And I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? What, what are we doing? This is Queensland. This is not supposed to happen, you know. And, uh, and yeah, it was that. But we, we put the heater on in, our, in the place we were standing, and there were the, these bunk beds there, and and my son, Josiah, he's always at the top bunk bed. How many know when you're the oldest, you're always at the top bunk bed? It's an order of age, you know, as it goes down. So Abby's on the bottom, and, uh, and, and he's up the top, but we got the heater on like the, the hottest it can go, all right? And he's at the top, and hot air rises. So we're all shivering down the bottom, and he's up the top. Dad, this is like 10.30. I'm so hot. I'm so hot, Dad. I'm in my boxer shorts. I'm so hot. I'm like, well, go and sleep on your brother's bed, dude. I'm not sleeping on my brother's bed. Turn the air conditioner off. You know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh gosh, you can't please everybody. So I turn the thing off, 4 a.m. in the morning. We wake up, and Kate's like, who turned the air conditioner off? I said, I did, your son. 
he was, he was hot, you know. So what do you mean your son? It's your son too. Turn it back on. Turn it back on. I mean, oh gosh, family life is amazing, isn't it? How do you please everybody? But you know, today I just want to, I just want to share just um, some key points just around marriage today. You know, when I talk about marriage today, I'm not, you know, coming from a position of perfection at all. I want you to know that we're all working on marriage. We're all, we all add value to marriage. We all build marriage. And I love this great statement. I've said it so many times at weddings, but marriages are made in heaven, but they're built on earth. And uh, we are all on a journey. If you are married, we're all on a journey, you know, of investing into the life of our marriages. And uh, I want you to know today, maybe, you know, you, you may not be married today. You, you're believing to be married. Uh, we all come from different backgrounds, different experiences in life. And uh, I just want you to know that God loves you. Uh, he believes in you. He has a plan for your future, no matter what uh, your, your kind of journey has been when it comes to relationships and marriage, because God has the best in mind for your future. And I want you to lean in on that today. And even though I'm preaching about marriage this morning, there's something in this for everybody. There's something in this for relationships. And I, sometimes it's important to take the keys that you're, 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 you're receiving in a message and uh, go, you know, how does that relate to my life? How does that to relate to me and what I can begin to do, even if you're single today, believing to be married? You know, what can that do for your life uh, and saying, God, how do I position myself to start to do this with the relationships I have? How do I position myself to start to prepare myself to be married? And, uh, and, and there's a power to this. And so I just want to pray as we dive into this today. Lord, I thank you today. I pray, God, for our marriages here across our Empower Churches, God. Lord, I, I pray every day that, God, that our, our marriages will be strong, they would be blessed, they would be full of love, they would be full of life and peace and joy. Lord, we pray for joy, joy in our marriages, Lord God. And I just thank you, Jesus, that God, no matter where our marriages are at, Lord, your Holy Spirit just can just pour out your grace on all of our lives right now, even for those who are single today, believing to be married. Lord, let your grace be upon them. Just renew something fresh in their hearts that, God, as they lean in on you, that you have a plan and you have a timing for all things. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen. You know, as we start today, there's something powerful about when you're, when you're a young couple and, and you, you know, you're pursuing to be married. And uh, how many know, there's just like, your, your, your future bride, your future husband, there's nothing they can do wrong. There's nothing they can do wrong. I mean, they're just amazing. They're incredible. It's just like the sun is shining out of them. You know, the glory of God is upon them. The call of God is the best call of God ever on their life. You know, it's just, it's amazing. And you know what? It should be like that. It should be incredible. It should be this lead up to getting married where there's this great pursuit for each other on the day that you're going to be married. And, uh, but I want to share this today, is that that should not stop. Even after we are married, we should continue to pursue our spouse. It's not the only thing we pursue, but we're talking about marriage right now. And we should continue to pursue our spouse in marriage. You know, the Bible says in Genesis 2.14, it says this ex explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Powerful scripture. But you know, the word 
united in Hebrew is the word debak. Everyone say that, debak, debak. That's the word united. It means to cling and adhere, to catch by pursuit, to pursue hard with affection and devotion, debak. And that's what we're called to build together in marriage. There's two other scriptures that this word debak is used. Psalm 63, 8 says, I follow close behind you. I, I debak close behind you. Judges 20.45, they pursued hard after them. Debak. There's this word is used to, to pursue, to build that unity and to build the togetherness, to build that strength that's united in marriage. You know, when, when I was dating Kate and uh, we were... We were, you know, I don't, I don't even think I'd, we'd gotten engaged yet, but it was the first time I'd kind of gone away, and I went back to visit my family at Christmas time, and I think I spent two weeks there. And uh, man, I remember missing Kate so much, and I, we were only new into this whole experience, and I'm like, man, I can't wait to get back to Caloundra. I can't wait to get back. I was ringing her every day, you know, and I was like, and, and you know, I know the day I left, I was like, you know, I, I, was, I got in that car. And I drove through the night. I only stopped for fuel and for food. I barely slept. And, uh, you know, I just drove all the way back through. And I remember, man, I think I was doing some speeds I shouldn't have. And I was flying. I think I made it from Innisfeld to Caloundra in record time through the night. And I got back to, you know, Kate was living with her parents. And, you know, I, I didn't even go home. I went straight to their house and, uh, you know, knocked on the door. I, I rang her and let her know I was coming. And, uh, and she, she made breakfast for me. I'm like, this one's a keeper. <laughs> so, made breakfast. Incredible. I remember eating the breakfast and I was so glad to be there. And I sat down on the couch after breakfast and I fell asleep instantly. I was so tired. I'm like, I didn't care because I made it back. It didn't bother me. I got back and I fell asleep. I think I was there for about an hour and a half. And then got up and like, oh, wow, I forgot where I was for a moment. And it was all the pursuit to get back just so that I could see her. And, um, and you know, I, I believe that this should not stop in our marriage in that pursuit of building the debacle together, of building the unity, building the love, building the peace, the strength, the life together in our marriages. Now, in marriage, Christ should be number one. He should be our number one, and our spouse needs to be our number two. But Jesus needs to be at the center of this marriage. He's got to be the number one in this marriage. We've got to pursue after Him so that we can effectively pursue after our spouse. We've got to put Him first in our lives. Both of us do. So that we say, hey, you are number one in this marriage, and I will pursue after each other because we are both pursuing Jesus together. Great story in Genesis of, um, of Jacob and uh, how Jacob, you know, when he first came to live with his uncle Laban, I, I encourage you to read the story of it, but he came to live with his uncle Laban and, uh, and, and when he was there, you know, he fell in love with Laban's uh, younger daughter and her name was Rachel. And, uh, and, you know, he fell in love with her. Laban had two daughters. He had one by the name of Leah and one by the name of Rachel. And, and you know, the Bible said that Rachel was, was beautiful and Leah had delicate eyes. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> delicate eyes. We should have nice blue emerald eyes. I mean, what does it mean? I looked up a couple of different versions. And one of the versions, I think the NIV said, Leah had weak eyes. And I'm like, that's worse. So 
Rachel was beautiful and Leah needed glasses. Like, it was like, what? Poor thing. Man, I mean, I'm sure she was beautiful. I can't, you know, we just don't know. But the Bible was de- very delicate in the way it approached this. Okay? And, and for whatever reason, Jacob fell in love with Rachel. Okay? She was the younger daughter. And, uh, and, and so he, he wants to marry her. And he comes to Laban. Laban says, all right. You know, back in those ancient times, you kind of had to either bring a dowry or you had to work or whatever. And uh, so he, he said, you need to work for seven years for her. Imagine that. Man, seven years. I mean, well, I think you know, today if you get engaged and it's, you know, six months, a year more, it's like, man, this is taking forever. Let's get married. God, seven years to work for Rachel. But he pursued that relationship. He pursued to wait for that wedding day. And here's the deal. Finally comes. He's worked for seven years. He gets to marry Rachel. And on the wedding night, Laban pulls a full shifty and grabs Leah instead. And, and, he, you know, and he marries her instead on the night, okay? And, uh, and so he wakes up the next morning. And suddenly it's not Rachel. He's with Leah. All right? I'm like, what? Man, this is crazy. I've been ripped off. Comes out and he confronts Laban about it. And Laban says to him, he says, hey, you know, he says, yep, I put Leah in there. He said, if you want Rachel, you've got to work another seven years. And I'm like, God, you're kidding me. Gosh, and when I was younger, when I read this, this passage, I was, I was like, he had to work another seven years before he could marry her. But it wasn't like that. It wasn't that at all. He just had to agree to work for another seven years. And Laban gave Rachel to him that day. That's what the scripture shows us. He gave Rachel to him that day. So he, he, he married Leah one day, and he married Rachel the next day, but he then had to work another seven years. Here's the deal with this. This is what the power of the Scripture shows us here. He continued to pursue Rachel after he was married. He continued to work for another seven years after he was married. And see, I want to tell you that this is as a message for all of us, doesn't it? It speaks to our lives, you know, for all of us. If you've been married for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, more. I mean, we should never stop this process of, of working toward each other to keep building that debacle together. And I believe this is not just for husbands. This is for wives as well. This is for both of us. We've got to be able to pursue each other. We've got to be able to work together and put Jesus at the center of this marriage and do the things that are necessary at times to say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step towards you and I'm going to take a step towards my spouse and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the person that I need to be for this marriage to be full of life and love and unity. Amen? There's a power to this. And here's one of the key things that we need to pursue when it comes to our marriages together. We need to pursue with love. We need to pursue with the heart and the attitude of love, of love for our spouse. Andy Stanley said this, falling in love requires a pulse, staying in love requires a a plan. You agree with that? Easy to fall in love. Staying in love over the long term, over a lifetime, that requires a plan. That requires intentionality and investment. And I want to say this today. Love, love needs to be shown. Love isn't a noun. Love is a verb. 
Love is an action. Love needs to be shown. It's not like when I got married, I told her I loved her, she should just remember that. Man, we got to invest into that, don't we? We're going to show that, man, I love you. And it's not just saying I love you, it's doing I love you. It's being I love you. It's doing what needs to be done to pursue with love, with love toward the other. And you know, I do understand that in marriages, relationships can drift. They can. If you've been married for longer than 20 years or more, if you've been married for seven years, relationships can drift. And we've got to Look at those things and, and know that if a relationship drifts, it's not over, okay? We've just got to be able to know that, hey, it can come back again. We can do things in our lives to be able to it may be intentional to show love again. See, I've found this, no matter where your relationship gets to in, in a marriage, you know, you can get back to the first things you did. See, sometimes we have to remember, what did I do at the first when I was in love and I pursued you before we were married, what was that love that was in my heart then? You know, you couldn't do no wrong. I could see no wrong. You were the most beautiful woman that ever lived on the earth. Like, you were amazing. How come I forgot that? When did I forget that in my life? How do I get back to that picture again? How do I get back to that place again? So if, if relationship drifts out of love, I want to tell you, it's intentionality that brings it back. It's pursuing with love again that brings it back again and brings our heart back. Now, I know this is that, you know, sometimes, you know, there's things that come along the way in marriage. And, and, and if you start having kids, how many know, hey, that's going to that's gonna produce some moments. All right? It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's the best thing in the world to have children. But there's, there's stress in that. There's tension in that in raising children. There's all sorts of different things that happen along the way of being able to raise a family together. And I find this is that, is that when children do come along, then there's less time often for each other. And there's more time given onto the children, more time that's invested in. But I want to tell you, it's, it's when those moments are there, we've got to be intentional that I'm not going to just put our marriage on the shelf. I'm going to make time to be intentional for this marriage. Yeah, there's a lot being pulled on our lives for kids and family and work and ministry and everything else that's going on. But hey, what, what, what can we do to carve out time so we're investing into each other? So that we're pursuing each other with love. Because, you know, I was talking to a family just the other day, uh, and they got five young kids. All right, and, um, and he, I was just chatting to him after school. They go to the school our kids go to, and, and he was like, man, it's so full on right now. Man, I, we got kids are so young. We're working jobs together, and we, you know, at night, we just fall into bed. We just fall into bed. It's just that full on right now. And I'm like, oh, man, that's, that's full on. He said, but, you know, God's good. God's good. He's good. You know, we're, you know, it's such a wonderful thing to be able to raise our children and, and see our kids do so well. And, uh, you know, I, I love this picture because I see this is that no matter what's going on in your life, you can still invest. You can still take moments in your life to invest into your children, invest into your marriage, invest into your work, invest into every part of your life. It's just about looking at our lives and saying, hey, what do I need to adjust in this moment right now? And it's not always going to be perfect. Sometimes some things in our lives need a little bit more attention than something else. All right? They just do. 
And we've got to be able to be switched on to that in our lives to say, hey, maybe right now we've got to invest into our marriage right now. Or it may be one of our kids in a moment. Hey, we've got to invest into that child right now. They, that child needs that time and energy right now. We've got to take that moment. And you know, there are sometimes we look, man, I'm so full. I'm so busy right now. But hey, if you pray about this, if you seek God for this, God will redeem the time. If we are intentional, if we look at our life and look at our schedule, He can redeem the time. But I find this is when there's stress and tension, even if you don't have kids. Sometimes one of the spouses can be working a job, studying, doing all this other stuff, and you're barely seeing each other. That creates tension. That creates stress. All right? Maybe you're not one, one spouse um, you know, is in between jobs and the finances are tight and there's stress and there's pressure. Hey, come on, there's all sorts of reasons why there can be stress and pressure on our relationship and on our marriage together. But hey, when I look at this, oftentimes when there's stress, when there's tension, the person that we love most in this world often see the worst of us, don't they? Come on, let's be real. Because our, our spouse, they see us for who we are. They see the, they see, it's not like you're wearing a mask all the time. Some people do, but, but they do see every part about you. They see your minimum factors. They see every part of your life. And so oftentimes when you're fully stressed, the person you love the most is copying the worst of you. All right? And it's in those moments that we've got to come back. And see, I want to tell you today, if love has drifted in your marriage relationship, it's not about just saying, I'm just going to be better. I'm just going to do better. I'm just going to make more time. No, no, you can't. You can't. The one thing we have to do as Christ followers is we've got to come back to the source of love first. First things first. First things first. You ain't going to find love just by conjuring it up again. You've got to go back to the source of love. The same love that changed you is the same love that will sustain you. And you've got to come back to his, his, his throne room again. You've got to come back and kneel at the feet of Jesus again and say, Lord, love has drifted in my heart, and I'm coming back to you so that I can receive the love of God, the love of God that was given so freely as James brought so well this morning in communion that it represented the pure gospel of it was all based on love. It was all given for us because he loves us. We've got to come back to the foot of Jesus if love has drifted in our lives in any way, in any relationship. We've got to come back to His love. Let it renew in our hearts again. Open up our hearts and allow the Holy Spirit to wash over us again. And sometimes, as human beings, we avoid this. And why do we avoid this? Because we don't want to change. I want to stay the same. I don't want to do anything She's got to change. And she's on the other side. I don't want to do anything. He's got to change. He's a bullfed. He's got to change. It's him. It's all him. Come on. It takes two. Always takes two. I remember when I was young in marriage with Kate. I remember, you know, the, the first few years of marriage, there's a lot of adjustment. There's a lot of change. And, uh, and I remember... Like, I was kind of, I was talking to God one day, and I'm like, God, I feel like I'm the only one changing here. I'm the only one making adjustments here. I mean, thank God you gave me a great wife, but I'm the one 
changing. I'm the one having to shift things and adjust things in my life. And I remember getting a revelation from God. But God began to just open my eyes to begin to see how much Kate had given up for me. How much she, had, she was still giving up for me. How much she had let go of in her life and how much she was adjusting and changing in her life for me. It was a, a, a huge revelation that was life-changing for my life. It was life-changing because I realized, oh, we're both changing. We're both adjusting. And can I tell you, we're still changing. We're still adjusting. We're still, because that's life. That's marriage. Because things, as you move on the journey of marriage, you just got to shift things. You just got to change things as you go. Why? Because we're building the debacle together, the unity, the strength, the love, the life together. I'm not fighting with you. I'm fighting for this marriage. I'm fighting for our relationship together. And see, we've got to come back to the heart of God first to say, God, I'm prepared. I'm prepared for you to reveal to me what I need to change. And we don't like doing this. None of us do. Men, women, we don't like doing this. We don't like God shining these big kind of detective light on us and going, boom, that's what needs to change. Like, oh, that's, that doesn't feel nice at all. It's horrible. That sucks. I don't like this at all. And like, God's like, unless I can do this, you're just going to keep on doing the same things. You just got to change. Shift, adjust. And see, when we allow God to do that in our lives, we've got to understand, God, what is it? Sometimes it's not chasing too many rabbits. It's just chasing the one or two things that God lays in front of you. Say, God, I'm a work in progress. I need your help. But say, Lord, help me. Help me, Holy Spirit. You know, I remember a time that, that I, was, I was just digging into to marriage and digging into relationship, and God was working on me on some things that I needed to shift and change. And... Um, and I remember the Holy Spirit, He just encountered me one day, and I was just, I was actually in tears. I was in tears. I was saying, God, God, I, I, just, I just want you to do this work in my life. I, I want you to change me. I want you to, to, I want to be better. I want to be better. You know, something changed in my life when I started praying, Lord, help me to be better for Kate. Help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better father to my children. And something started shifting in my life, and I'm just really letting God move in my life. And I remember God saying, Paul, if you want to tackle this thing, I want you to fast for the next three days. I want you to fast for the next three days. And I did. This was a while ago. And I fasted for three days. And, and you know what? The shift that took place in my life was incredible. Because that's what the Holy Spirit led me to do. I did what He asked me to do in that moment, and it changed something in me. I had to sacrifice something in that moment to say, God, I just want to be different. I want to be better. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better man before you, Lord. I want to steward all these things in my life well. And I've got to open up my heart. And I'm coming to you, God, and saying, God, help me to be better. And you know what? When the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we need to listen. We need to listen. We need to, we need to do those things to, to get back to that place where God is transforming our lives and making us better all the time. Hey, it's going to improve our marriages. It's going to improve our relationship with our children. It's going to improve the relationships around us in our lives. Why? Because we're doing what God needs us to do. We're letting Him get in there and change some of the things internally in our lives. And you know what? If, we, if we're stubborn, we'll never change. We'll always have to keep putting up with the same things we've been kind of maneuvering through. 
Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says this, don't be selfish. What a great scripture. I could just hold it and leave it right there. Thank you, Jesus. All the musicians and singers come. Don't be selfish. If there's anything that's going to help your marriage, I'm kidding, by the way. You can come up soon. Um, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Hey, this is for all relationships. But when it comes to our spouse, how do we place them as higher than ourselves? Because whenever we're looking and there's tension and there's conflict and all those things, the first thing that happens is this is my rights. This is how I feel. This is how you have done this to me. And you are bad and you have to change. That's it, isn't it? It's human nature. All right? And the wife or husband's on the other side. This is my life. This is my feelings. This is how you've been bad. And this is how how you need to change. All right? It's like, hey, how do we take a step toward the buck? To let go of that and to let go of our rights. To take a step and go, Lord, Lord, what have I done in this relationship that needs to change? What have I done that needs to shift, Lord, so that I can take a step closer to my wife or husband, so that I can, I can change God? I can be better for them. What do I need to do, Holy Spirit? Hey, if you start praying those prayers, get ready, because He'll start telling you. He will. But that's a good thing. I'll say that again. That's a good thing. Why? Because He believes in us. And he believes in our marriages and he wants them strong and healthy and whole. And oh, we should be a work in progress. And we should be a person that says, God, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to be a far better husband than I am now. Because every single day I'm taking steps to be better. I might take a couple of steps back sometimes, but oh, it's okay. I'll just repent, get it right, and take another step forward. Because none of us are perfect. We're constantly on that journey to say, God, help us to be better. God can do a wonderful work in our lives, but we've got to come to Him first. Let Him speak to our lives. Allow Him to show us where our wife is at, where our husband is at. And man, sometimes that's one of the best things you can do. Because sometimes you begin to just see, when there's good communication, you can begin to see, oh, wow, I see how she feels. I see how he feels. I feel it. I understand that. Oh, my gosh. Why, I've been doing that. God, help me to change. Help me to be better. We've got to allow that process. Hey, it's uncomfortable, but, oh, the fruit is beautiful. Come on, we want the fruit, don't we? We want the fruit of a great relationship. We want the fruit of a great marriage. And it comes back to us in our own life and our own desire saying, God, how do I put you first? And how do I put the interests of my spouse first so that I can change to be better? The final thing is this, as the musicians and singers come, is we need to pursue trust. Pursue trust with one another. This is key. You know, there's so many messages you can preach on marriage, on joy and love and life, all those things. But building a a marriage is about building trust together. It's building intimacy together. And marriages, they need this debacle. They need the unity. They need the transparency. They need that in our lives. And it's not always easy to do this. But oh, when we come and say, God, I'm putting my life before you so that God, I can help to build trust with my spouse. 
I want to tell you today, you, you're, you're, you should have an open book relationship with your spouse. There should be nothing about your life that they don't know. We should know one another completely, intimately. Know one another, know each other's hopes and dreams and even some concerns and things that we have because we're, we're in a relationship together. We're not in a contract, we're in a covenant. I'll say that again. We're not in a contract, we're in a covenant before God. A covenant is, is this beautiful, intimate relationship that we want to build together. See, transparency leads to greater trust, and trust leads to greater intimacy. Transparency. And sometimes that, that takes us being able to say, I'm sorry. Simplest thing in the world. I'll do better. I'll be better. Sometimes that takes us sitting down and talking about the thing that you have avoided with every part of your being to talk about. And it's hard. And it's not easy. And it feels so uncomfortable. And you feel so exposed. And you feel so vulnerable. But you got to do it. To sit down. Let's have that cup of coffee. Let's talk. Let's be open. Let's communicate. Come on, marriages drift because communication drifts. Suddenly we just... We don't know each other the way we used to. And friend, we've got to be able to be open and honest and talk to our spouse. Even if you're not a talker today. You know, maybe your wife talks more than you do. Or maybe you talk more than your wife. Because we've got different personalities and different love languages and all these different things. But hey, don't ever allow the differences to stop us from doing what it takes to build intimacy. Doing what it takes to sit down and go, and I don't like talking about it. Hey, it doesn't matter. Just do it. Come on, I love that Nike ad back in the 90s. The tick, Nike, just do it. It doesn't matter. Just have a crack. Just do it. Just take the step. Because there's great fruitfulness. There's great beauty on the other side of building greater trust and greater communication and greater intimacy with each other transparency it's so important and it's not easy it's not easy for any of us to do in our marriages but I want to encourage you today if we want to build greater intimacy greater trust we've got to be an open book to our spouse we do we just have to this is me this is me but this is how I'm going to take steps to be better I love that statement it's not it's okay to be not okay it's just not okay to stay that way hello because sometimes we, we just think, maybe I can just live here in this space and it'll just fix itself. It's only intentionality that fixes anything. It's only intentionality to say, God, what do I need to do to shift? I can't change my spouse. Only you can do that, Lord, but I can change me. I can shift me. I can fix the things in my life. I can come before you. And in the process of doing that, I'll pray and bless my spouse, spouse and believe that as they're doing that, we're going to meet in the middle here. And we're going to build the intimacy that we need. Friend, I encourage you today. I'm praying for our marriages all the time. I'm praying that empowered church marriages are the strongest marriages around. So that we can be an example to our community, an example to those around us. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Don't, don't ever sign up. You're not perfect, okay? None of us are. I've got things I'm working on. We're all working on things in our lives to be better in marriage. 
It's not perfection, but it's strength. It's the grace of God, the power of God on our marriages to take steps every day to build strength and intimacy together. Amen. Why don't we pray right now? If you're beside your husband or wife, I want you to hold their hands right now. If you're single right now, I want you to reach to Jesus right now in your heart. Reach to him right now in your heart. Lord, I just thank you right now for your blessing and your grace. It just pours out on every single life, every person, every marriage today. Lord, we can't do this without you. We just There's too many things pulling at our lives in this world, and we need you. We need you, Lord. And Lord, I thank you today that, God, I pray that our marriages will be strong. I pray that our marriages will be united and blessed and anointed. I pray that, God, there will be joy and intimacy and trust that's built into the life of the marriage. Lord, I just thank you today that, Lord, reveal to us, if there are things, Lord, right now that we need to take steps on in our own lives, Lord, to build a greater marriage and show us that. Help us to see that, Lord God, and take the steps to move toward each other. First to move toward you, but then to move towards each other, Jesus, to build that debacle. That debacle, that unity, that strength, that love, that covenant. And God, I speak your grace and your anointing, your blessing pouring out into every marriage and family today in Jesus' name. God, those who are single, Lord, I pray for anyone here that's walked through a marriage breakup, walked through divorce. Let the Lord, even if there's someone right now that's going through that in their lives, I pray for your blessing. I pray for your anointing to be with them right now. Lord, you know. Lord, you understand where people are at in this situation. And God, I just pray that, God, you would bring strength to them. You would bring peace to them. Lord, you would be their God. You would be their protection. You would get around them right now. And I pray for your blessing just pouring out on every person that's had to walk through separation, divorce. And Lord, maybe still walking through that now. God, help them through this. Help them through this season, I pray, by your grace. In Jesus' name. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are the great restorer. And God, I know that, that, Lord, you have a plan for every life here. Lord, I lift up that single person that's praying to get married. Lord, I pray that, God, they would lean in on you and they would seek after you and seek after your face, Lord Jesus, to be all that you have called them to be. At the right moment and the right time, you're going to provide for their lives with the right person. And I thank you for your blessing on that today. In Jesus' name. Amen.